Grace to you and peace from God our Heavenly Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who loved us. Our sermon texts this morning are the words of the Old Testament reading appointed for this Sunday from Isaiah chapter 61 beginning at the first verse and I would invite you to rise for the reading of this sermon text. <clears throat> It is written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, so they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. So far, our sermon text. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Fellow redeeming Christ, I, I've been looking at what the commute is going to be like in Minnesota. It's a bit messy this time of year. It's hard enough when you have to trudge off to work in the morning at a foot of snow, and it's no fun at all. I think people here in Havasu like to say that you don't have to shovel sunshine. In our little congregation, we have people who are police officers, people who clean homes, people who manage household affairs. There's a lot of different jobs represented here in our congregation, and some of us work the hardest during the holidays. Others are retired. Some of you work hardest on regular days. In the Lutheran lingo, God has given us all different stations in life, different vocations, different things to do with the time that he's given us here on this earth. Jesus had a job. When he came into the world, his job description had already been written through the prophets of the Old Testament. God had already caused to be written a very exacting list of the things that the Christ would do. 
must do. Even the name of Jesus' job was given. Jesus was to be called the Anointed One. In Hebrew, that's Mashiach or Messiah. In Greek, it's Christos, which means the same thing, the Anointed One. Jesus was set apart for the special purpose, whether it was with water or oil or just figuratively, Jesus sure did have a unique job. Isaiah, in our text, wrote about Jesus 750 years before he was born. He wrote from Jesus' perspective, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who crown, excuse me, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they shall be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You can boil that big list down to three important tasks. The Lord anointed him, first of all, to preach the good news. And the Lord anointed him to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And finally, the Lord anointed him to proclaim the day of his vengeance. The first task, the foremost task of our Savior was to preach the good news, to live the good news, to be the good news. As we look forward to Christmas, uh, as we uh, look back to Christmas, rather, and as we think about our Lord, the main thing that we hear from Jesus is good news. The main news of the Christmas event is good news. The main, the main topic of this whole season of epiphany that we're in is the revealing of Jesus as the good news that we need. Before Jesus was born, there was good news about him. And at his birth, the angels proclaimed from the skies good news for all mankind. During his life, we find time and again Jesus preaching good news to the people. In his death and resurrection, again, good news. Even today, right here, right now, when you hear this poor mouth speaking, you're hearing the good news coming from our Savior himself. And what is it? Isaiah wrote about it. It is for the poor, the brokenhearted, those captive in darkness, those who mourn and despair. What good news is there for those who suffer? There's still poor people on the street. There's still death. What could Isaiah mean about Jesus' good news? The angels at his birth saying, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. There will 
always be wars, though, and rumors of wars right up to the end, Jesus said. There'll always be contention. There'll always be strife. The angels were focusing our attention on the war between God and mankind, though. And this is goodwill from God to mankind. And that's what Isaiah meant, too, in this text. God makes peace with you and me. He reconciles himself to you and me by his Son. That's why Jesus came down from heaven to become that child in the manger. That's why Jesus taught about the kingdom of God in the synagogues. That's why he died on that hill called Calvary, on the center cross, <clears throat> beaten and bloodied and forsaken by his Father in heaven. And that's why he rose from the dead and sent out his disciples to tell everyone. And that's why Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The peace that Jesus made was not in relation to armies or bullets or Anything like that, it was in relation to sin and its effects. How hard it is for us to shift our thinking from that earthly perspective. We can understand wars. We can understand conflict. We see it happening all the time, but it's, it's hard for us to think about the fact that we're born enemies of God, born without any means to sustain spiritual life. We don't think about that by nature. We can understand poverty, but that we're born poor spiritually, that's harder to think about. The fact that we mourn, if you haven't experienced it yet, you will. We know it will happen. But the idea that we should mourn for all who are going to die, that we should lament the fact that the wages of sin is death, and that that's why I'm going to die, and that's why you're going to die, that's hard to swallow, hard to think about. But if we are to understand the good news that Jesus brings, there must be that shift in our perspective here again, Jesus goes to work. He graciously forestalls the judgment. He sends his Holy Spirit to us to change our perspective from one of unbelief and, and worldly thoughts to one of faith and trust in God. Jesus does that through the very good news that he offers us. That good news, that gospel, is the meaning of the word gospel, is the very power of God unto salvation. And through hearing it, faith comes into our hearts and minds and our eyes are open so that we can see why Jesus' life and death and resurrection are important. This is the year of the Lord's favor. It is by God's grace, his undeserved love, that we are here today despite our sins. Jesus brought us out of unbelief. And spiritual apathy during these days in our life so that we might be freed 
from our sins, from the darkness of sin and death, so that we might be alive, so that the light of God's love would shine in our hearts. Not just for a few more years, but forever. All because Jesus did this job for us. And today, today this good news is reaching your ears and down into your hearts because Jesus, the Son of God, still stands behind this eternal message. Believe it. Give thanks to him for his mercy. And don't forget that he has been anointed to proclaim the day of vengeance, too. By faith, we glimpse the magnitude of our pride and our arrogance before God. We see just a little glimpse about what it means to disobey the God of heaven and earth whose law is truth. There's no denying that every time we indulge our desires and do not put him first, that we are unworthy of anything good from him. But also by faith, we know that every sin has been marked on Jesus with that scourge and lash and even the very fires of hell. He paid so that we might be spared the punishment for our ingratitude, for our foolishness, for our ignorance. Now, How can it be that we should take this message of Christ for granted? We rejoice, we celebrate God's Son, and by rights we ought to do that. But knowing Jesus' job, can we, can we reduce it to just a caricature, as our world does? Just some Christianity that is devoid of any power or meaning. Can we make it a, something for entertainment? Something to keep us going, feeling good. I think not. Can we put it away? I don't think so. Think about everyone who still lives in darkness out there and the fear of death. Think about the children who have not yet heard Think about the adults who have heard and yet still think of God's word as something to do on, on Christmas or Easter and not the rest of the year. These people are mixed up. Their lives are an attempt to ignore their impending end and their concept of God is anything but what he really is. The Lord anointed Jesus to proclaim the day of vengeance too. There is a day coming, fellow redeemed, when all the earthly distractions will burn away like that dried up Christmas tree in the bonfire. The armies that fight so hard, they'll be silenced. Criminals will stop in their tracks. The proud will turn their faces downward in shame and every knee 
shall bow before the Lord in heaven and on earth and under the earth when he says enough. Even the devil and his demons will quake because then everyone who rejected God's full year of favor, the thousands of years of his grace, they will meet God's vengeance. Can we accept this situation in the world among those around us, knowing that the great and terrible day of the Lord is coming when we ourselves have such good news in our lives? Can we keep our mouths shut and the greatness of the Lord bottled up? <coughs> never. I hope we say never in our hearts because you see, even though we have different God-given tasks to occupy our time here on this earth, even Though we commute in different ways, we've heard the good news. We have believed. We have been sent out as God's messengers and heralds in this world. With gratitude in our hearts. We've unwrapped the gift of that Christ child in Bethlehem. And now in Epiphany, we can see that it is more than we could ever use ourselves. So we share it. We proclaim the good news. We proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of his vengeance because now the main task, the most important job of our lives as Christians is the same as Jesus' job, to proclaim him as the savior of the nation. May God grant us clarity and, and resolve to do his will and grant fruit to that labor so that our fellow redeemed in Christ may have faith leading to eternal life. Today is the day of the Lord's favor, and you have heard it from him. Bring that word to other people, people who don't know him yet. They need it. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto everlasting life. Amen.